I often say intuition is very regulated because someone is not going to be intuitive if they're not kind. Because if they're intuitive and abuse it, it'll go. They'll form neuroses, they get sick. It's a much bigger thing than any of us. We can instinctively will something, but if it's not right, it'll be taken away. That's not intuition, that's instinct, often basic instincts. Hello and welcome back to the Your Great Podcast with your host, Unique Hammond. I created this space for all of the wonderful humans on their healing path, seeking tools and inspiration. It is not always easy to take on the role of healing and being the healer of our body and sourcing our guides along the way. And sometimes, and most often, the most incredible guide is you. This is something that I discovered on my healing journey was ultimately something that I had never really cultivated in my life. My intuition came in to help guide me. And in my sickest hours, when I was debating between going to the emergency room and staying in my bed, my intuition came in and told me exactly where I needed to be. It told me to stay right where I was and that I was okay. And this was really hard for me to hear because my fear brain was going, go to the emergency room, you have a fever and you know, you're pooping your pants and you've got pain running up and down your back. My fear brain was like, go, go, go. And something deep inside of me said, stay, you're okay. Now I'm not telling you if you're in dire situations that you should not be going to the emergency room. We are not all in the same situation. But for me in that moment, that was exactly what I needed to do. And I wasn't used to listening to this calm, quiet voice within. I was used to listening to my little monkey brain, and that little monkey brain just would drag me all over the place. My guest today is Jill Willer, and I'm excited to present her and her work to you. She is an intuitive and a medium. She teaches people how to get in touch with their intuition which I find amazing and I'm incredibly drawn to because in my practice, a lot of times I will call on my clients to feel their way through the protocol. I have a deep, deep belief that our body wants to heal. It is constantly healing and our job is to definitely look at where we can support the body in its efforts. I'm excited for you guys to hear this podcast. I was kind of geeking out and also just learning a lot and listening and just being open to what I was hearing. A lot of it felt foreign to me, but I took a lot from it and I'm really, really happy to know Jill and have her in my world. I hope you enjoy this podcast today. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for coming on the Your Great Podcast. I have been reading your book and watching your talks on YouTube and really just excited for this moment where we get to connect. I talk to my clients about their intuition, but there's this piece missing of how do we tap into our intuition and how do we cultivate this trust with our intuition and to actually get in touch with how am I nourishing myself and how am I living my life in alignment and in authenticity? So wherever you want to start in the education of intuition, please begin. Thank you. It's an honor. I'm grateful to be here. Truly what I believe you've created and this pillaring and showing up is lovely. So thank you for having me. 
Thank you. You know, I think you're spot on that intuition. There's a big piece missing. We've grown up in a very more codependent. There's something bigger that we need to look up to or go to, even if it's God or a parent, even when we're adults, we're not really owning our body and our intuition. And I think that kind of got put aside. So we didn't feel, get to move through empowerment and understanding what's going on within. I believe intuition is something we've had since birth, but at first it was instinctive when we're little. You know, we just kind of innately knew something or we could feel looking at someone's eyes, even a caretaker or a stranger or walking into a house or room, we could feel a lot of sensing and sense energy. And then what often happened, especially for women, is we are known to become too sensitive and knock that off, get back, you know, to school or to your role in church or family or whatnot, but even for, for boys and men and all genders as well. But really that innate knowing that the female brain really understands because we bond, that's what hormones do. We couldn't really, we didn't learn to trust and cultivate it. And I, we've talked already a little bit, we will about forgiveness, but our moms and grandmothers weren't able to fully be in their agency a lot. And there's a lot of reasons why a lot of fear around this over history, it's intuition's been written as dark. I think there was a lot of people in power that feared it or there was blame and shame. So I love that we're now, to use your word, cultivating and knowing that intuition is very real and in us. And I've sometimes described it like a house. I think for this, it would be good. And we're just turning lights back on or a muscle and we're growing that part back. You never lost it. No one ever lost it. And even the way the brain works, some of the nerve endings could have just capped and waited to be set free. So I think for a lot of listeners, things are going to ping and make sense and when it comes to nutrition in our body, our bodies love this. Our metabolism, our hormone, insulin, you know, dopamine regulation, our stress monitors, everything just says thank you, our nervous system. So we're going to make this very centered and real and cultivating it, I think, is one knowing we all have it and there's a space for us. And then two, we're going to talk about in a minute, connecting gut instinct, getting back through that empowerment, that centering through the heart, and then it naturally opens up. We're going to be very real about this today. <laughs> very excited for yes. this. Juicy. How do we feel intuition? How do we know that something true is coming through? Such a brilliant question. And this is exactly, I think we knew this meeting organically already before, you know, we got together on the podcast. It's exactly about knowing our instinct and the sensory. We've got to clear that instinct knowing or that discernment of our gut. We call it the threes, kind of like the gorgeous art, Japanese art of tidying up and things that have already come through our zeitgeist to know what to keep, what to let go, what to recycle or use over here, meaning untangling the patterns, what we've been told, our relationship with food or numbers. And that has to happen first. So that sensing, the basic sensory needs to come back into alignment balance. We do that rhythmically and somatically, meaning honestly, swimming, throwing rocks, moving shoulders, moving hips, flushing and clearing. That's what clears out some of that. And then also doing a little bit of the deeper work of clearing the past of patterns or some things in our DNA, some things in our history, which we can do that by great counsel or some have heard me say the Hoffman process is wonderful in the U.S., or going back and writing letters, forgiving ourselves, forgiving family members, forgiving the past, clears and gives us back our sensory, gives us our nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system becomes more in the now, where we don't do things as unconsciously 
or based on a lot of things from the past, a lot of traumas or dramas. An example would be if someone triggers you, even someone well-known or someone talking about food or the way someone looks. If you don't have a deep relationship with that person, it usually means they're triggering. They remind you of someone or something that needs clearing. That's a sensory to clear that out. Once you clear that out, meaning through what's called the amygdala, spatially, you let it go. You have to do a little work on it. It can take a season or two. Your senses come back. Then you know the difference of my belly's feeling this or I'm thinking this. Is that instinct? Is it intuition? And or is it just fear? Because they can feel very similar, can't they? It can get complex. So we want to untangle, simplify, and reconnect. One of the things I've heard you say is that intuition, it just is. It's not emotional. So if something's emotionally charged, it's pointing you in the direction of not intuition, but maybe something getting involved. So well said, or something around the intuition, right? I'm so glad you brought this up because if we're we're emotional, we're not in the intuitive part of the brain up here. We're in the limbic and the amygdala. We're trying to regulate energy and motion. Let's just look at emotion as energy and motion, especially to take it off that women are more emotional and whatnot or but even emotional eating, often if we have energy emotion or we're emotional about something, even if it's a memory logged in the lower part of our brain, we'll crave sugar or insulin or, or something, adrenaline, cortisol will go because the brain thinks it's happening now and then that affects our eating. So if it's emotional, we can have intuitive thought and then we have an emotion about it. But once you take off the emotion and you just get is and really peaceful, centered, you'll notice I want to go grab that because it reminded me of the second grade or my mom made that or I hated that growing up and couldn't or I couldn't have it. You start to see the things we place on these elements and that's not intuition. That's not whole or full or wise. And I love you asked this question because when we start to take off the layers and heal, it's amazing. Weight drops mentally, emotionally, physically, and our connections start to line up quickly like that again. That's so beautiful. I'm I'm in practice right now with intuition. My intuition came online in my illness when I was incredibly ill and constantly in this state of do I go to the emergency room? Do I not? And and I found myself actually speaking to my higher self, my intuition and saying what should I do? And every time it came back, it's you're okay. And it was unemotional. It was just factual. And I just was unnerved by it because I was a highly emotional, stressed out, out of my body human being. So for this quiet, calm voice to say, you're okay, stay where you are, was unnerving to me. And I listened, believe it or not. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to listen to this very calm voice, even though I have a fever. And even though the doctors are saying I need surgery and medications. I'm just going to listen. And I I did. And so much of why I'm here today is because of that calm voice. But intuition in my life has shown up in interesting ways in guiding me, but I've never really given it its due. I've always kind of, you know, just swept it to the side of like, oh, I just somehow knew, but not really giving it the term intuition. So not cultivating it. I haven't cultivated it in my life. And I am really at a place in my life where now where I'm like, I really want to empower this incredibly calm, wise voice that lives within. I love you say that. And it does live within. And I want to say here, which will be a little ahead of its time, it also lives without. We've been taught so binary, which is kind of the mid-lower brain of 
Co, codependent, black and white. We call it the orange or the infinity sign. It's lovely that we're all starting to talk about within. It is a voice within and it's with us around us too, if that makes sense. I just want people to know they're not in a battle with two voices or inside, outside. It's kind of an all voice mm-hmm. and that will make more sense. I know you know that almost through the, the rough or through the thicket, you heard that voice come through. And we can, of course, call that a, a voice of God. I would just say with God or with the stars in the sky and light, air and healing light. What, make it a with thing, W-I-T-H, because that's the through line to bring the gut and your instincts innately up to make them best friends with your intuition. We can say here the intuition, I often say, use about a sixth of your day working with it. It's not everything. It becomes the wise part, but just like a group of friends or a show you like or a movie, it takes three or four right people in it to make it whole, like a family or or something that's of health, you know, even a company or whatnot. It takes a couple people, right, to make it two and more. So we can call it purple is what I'm getting at, meaning it's a color of the rainbow and we want to use it, but it's a huge part of the rainbow. And in the culture of our system, especially here in the U.S., purple is red and blue. So it's also the center of political. It's independent. It's centering of a swinging, a pendulum. And so there's a lot of power in it. And then like you said, starting to listen and quietness, if you just use a little part of your day to listen, or what do you have to say? Or what do we have to say? Some people know I speak a little funny, like Mrs. Seuss, we joke or not a doctor, but yeah, but it's because the intuitive voice is different. It's very we and all and all one, one, oneness. But I just want people to start to reaching with so they don't feel alone or they're against their body, that it's a with, it's a two thing, even if it's your body and your intuition or your body and your soul or body and your intellectual part, you know, start to understand the two and more factor. So then use your intuition as your gut, as a through line, and then the heart's in the middle, which is the flesher and the rhythmic. So starts to get you to understand the parts and then it makes a whole and then more than a whole, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It does. So yeah. so just to see if I hear you correctly, the so the voice within is really also the connection, let's just say spirit yeah. or everything else. It's a con- it's a direct line in communication with something that is true. The so sad. Okay. It is something that is true and pure. Yeah, me, And I don't mean perfect. I mean, you could say perfect, but just meaning we talk about purity and all that clearing through the throat and the lungs, oxygen, light. Exactly. Mm. You can put a human face on it if you really, it's really important to you. Some people really think God is the father, God is the mother. It's mother earth or mother divine, but that's okay at first. I just hope over time that we can take a human face off it because it kind of actually takes it down so much because all of us human and Animal, the animal in us too is not as large and light as we're talking about, or as true and loving as we're talking about. I, I do relate to it as energy. I have this visual in my mind that I am connected to everything from the dirt in the ground to the light in the air and everything in between. And yes. my capacity and or my ability is connected to that vastness. So the intuition feels like this thing that I've denied myself my whole life that I am now from the gift of my illness, really welcoming in as as a guide, as a way to live a more authentic life, which is why you're here, because I really want to share this 
with my wonderful community of how to really empower that part of themselves to connect to that truth, that just undeniable truth. Undeniable truth, exactly an expansion. And that's in every cell in your body. You know, I've worked with a lot of scientists and we've proven many think there's nothing in the center of the cell or there's everything. So in each of our many cells, is this already or this lightness or expansion? So it's infinite and finite. And that's really important that I think you and your clients will get, meaning a lot of people, quote, spiritually bypass and think we're only infinite or we're only God. And it's like, wait, no, wait, we're, there's a through line where we're finite as well, at least while we're still living. Just because to be authentic and be discerning and take full responsibility, we need the and, not the or. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people haven't made it through in our wellness world because they honestly weren't well or they were doing it to make it be about them and that lower part of the ego where come to me, but it's more of a me, my versus I, and then the we or the with, like we're talking about, and then the all making it at least three and more or however, you know, clients will understand this in different ways. There's many learners that I want everyone to know this is your birthright and cultivate it. You have it in you. If you want to call it the green, the heart, the limbic mammal part of you with a part above the animal or with the animal in you, but get to know all those other parts of you. Most humans ping in the lower brain only. And that's what's been fascinating to witness. They're not even in the upper part of the brain that cultivates by the age it's 25 and onwards. So most of them are a sort of very low relationship with our self and food and our intuition and light matter, God, whatever you want to call that's trying to help you out. And really they're guiding really invisibly. Even before the recognition of it, I can see how it nudged me in the right direction, almost despite my desire to annihilate myself and very much live in that lower part of my existence, that disconnected ego space, the evolution of my practice has become, you are the healer, I am the guide. But then this third thing we're talking about is spirit, right? The above, below, within. Yeah. And that, that also that it's with both of you, right? As the guide and the healer and well said, so well said. It's wonderful. And Many don't realize they deserve it or it's in them. And so I love that you're really helping with that inclusion. And why is that? Was it a parent who did it? Were you judged by body? Were, was it about numbers? Were you pushed in a more masculine way when we have female brains? Even it has a male learned to hide his emotions. So he turned to food or alcohol or other things, you know, all genders are similar in what we go to because those are the social norms or cues or what's here. But we do have some differences in, in our brain and how we listen and how what we see. Women are more tend and friending. So women can really tend and friend and expand. But then we learn not to expand too much because of that some zero where same gender or people get competitive or all of a sudden you look great and people come at you wanting attention or things or you're not ready to have intimacy or you are don't know how to get the healthy intimacy. So I want to say here too, and I love you talked about the ego. I do believe the yellow or the gut is a healthy ego because that's part of the actualizing, right? That we are using our body and our brain in kind ways to ourself and another. That's a healthy ego. I think spirit and spirituality sometimes was taught through a very young boyhood. So there's 
anger at the mother or envy or things that honestly the female brain doesn't even think about, but we learn to even think of spirituality in that masculine way. Masculine is a lot about body and mind. And I want us to bring in, because I see it in you so clearly too, the feminine as well, of energy and motion or emotion, energy and motion and connection, spirit meaning connection with all this lighter matter through us and through even a healthy ego. So there's some place to put it and actualize it and not give that up. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Okay, Thank good. you for that. Welcome. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then the heart is so rhythmic and the heart really does regulate cortisol and our, helps with our adrenals and our hormones. And so it's so important that we slow down somatically and have a little quiet time and breathe or walk slow without stimulus all the time and just that begins to grow the rhythm and peace and relaxes the part of the brain that then opens up to your intuition so it feels counterintuitive. But I want to give you all the tools today in the brain and body how to open. And really, it's wild what happens from there. It all opens up. As you know, it's really fun and win-win. And part of the way I know that I have some work here to do is because my intuition wakes me up at one in the morning <laughs> information because I'm just so not listening so much of the time. So yes, tell us, how can we open up the channels of this communication? That was such a wonderful share. It's similar to dreaming sometimes. Our bodies and brains and spirit are so powerful. So especially when we start to uncover the connections happen and it's so much joy, but also like, yay, here it comes. And so I'm going to get in where I can. I love it. So I would say, some have heard me say this, there's 24 hours in a day. I know it gets busy with all the things, especially if we're partners and parents or caregivers, all the things most of all of us are. And, or even if we decided not to live alone or be alone, still needing some type of exchange. If we can think of it as the term of eight, eight and eight, I often say it's very big right now where for example, we stop at 9, 10 a.m. or 6 a.m. and you say, what comes in with a piece of paper, even five, six minutes, and then do it again in the evening for a little bit of time before watching a show or after dishes are done or whatever, or after work and you've driven home and you breathe on the way home and then come home and sit. I would say find a couple quiet times, at least two in the day for it can be five or 10 minutes and breathe and just see what comes. That's key because what also will come is what to clear. Like, you know, you've been mad at this person for 20 years or your own legs or body. So it'll show what to clear to cultivate as you know your intuition, what to clear off some of the boundaries or, you know, kind of the blockages, which also helps with so many things in your body, literally. But for intuition, you've got to give it a little room and space to come in and clear you know, I say to our children, even turning off the TV and the screen so that their day can decompress or we talk on the way home from school and then we talk at bedtime about the day, just so what is around and cultivating can come out and up or be mirrored and witnessed, especially through eye contact. So, right, if you're doing it for yourself, bring it through your hand, which is your heart, you know, and even just putting your hand on or going on a walk and then writing down what comes in or voice memo, just play with whatever works for you to get it out and get a witness, you know, have a phone date or a date with a friend on a Saturday morning or a Saturday evening and share what happened instinctively and or intuitively, and that'll grow it. But a witness, the with is so important, even if you're just witnessing yourself and taking care of yourself. And I, 
I will not use the term inner child or lower brain because it's all one. We are in the now. And I understand the model, but I think that keeps us very small. And then, you know, when we were little, it's very different than we are now, even in our metabolism, our choices, our opportunities, our pains, right? Where our brain is in its maturity, the body, where our hormones are. So I would just say staying in the now and present and doing anything rhythmic if you need or just carving time and then see what comes up and out or see what comes forward or in, you know, around, depending on how you view it. And it's fascinating, as you know. And it might be a word, and then that night, that word comes across, you know, a billboard or TV, or it might be a visual, or it might be something from the past wanting out. I'd really ask you witness it and not judge it right away. Give it just a little bit of like what you said, potato, potato. Where did this come from? Give it a little bit of open space, which we're very trained critically, lower left brain, very anal, analytic. And it really ruins a lot for us as humans. Yeah, it's really holding it softly, whatever comes through, right? And just having that curiosity with it to see what is there. Is it now? I guess my question would be do we want in that time that we're witnessing with, do we want to ask any questions or just literally create an open space for whatever to come in? What a, what a wonderful question. I would say yes, do you're starting to know instinctively and intuitively what to do. So you're so well into your intuition. Absolutely. As long as you've trusted, if you've had a really dramatic week or there's a lot of stress and you have dynamics and relationships, I don't think you'll hear the answer to the question wholly, you know, and whole, we can say W-H-O-L, L-Y or E-Y-L-Y, one L maybe, but also it can be holy for some H-O-L-Y where it's really that gentleness you're saying and soft care and support. We're not going to hear it if we're kind of looking down and really busy, so, but I love the directive and direction. I think that's very good. That would be a great step in intuition or if someone says that resonates, do that. The quietness of listening to your breath or listening to water, even on an app or going to water or trees swaying will lull you often first so that you can start to clear out. So then you can ask a question and really hear whole and clear. You know how many people don't read a text right or through telephone five seconds later, a minute later, change what they heard by a word, which changes again. So you're going to be able to know that you're really clear. And even I still write answers down because five minutes later, I might be like, how did it show or, you know, love show or all show. And it's true even for myself as a working mother and partner and all of that. So, and being 48, almost 50, I have a good memory and then at times I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) So it's working with where we are physically, but, and also making sure there's space to receive it wholly. Because true love and whole loving information can feel really new. And it could be your ancestry speaking angels, God, light. And that can feel like I've never heard it this way. Or my mom or grandmother or dad or partner wasn't like that in the waking life. So it's just so loving and new for a lot of people that I want to make sure you don't ask and then hear and go, they were just yelling at me because it's never anything like that. It's always loving and whole, but sometimes so unemotional and factual that then we take it in, mull it over, and think it was different than it was meant. Interesting. So almost putting it through our our sift of our kind of societal or whatever the training we've had throughout our life, we can almost take something in that comes in factual and turn it into something else. Absolutely. And it's so common. 
I work with so many people trying to bond and because of old attachment issue through a parent or a situation or traumas, they are avoidant often or insecure. That's most of our culture in all genders, right? So then someone could be loving, but they're like, they don't like me or we push too hard or we ghost and that's all from unhealthy attachment bond. So then how will we bond with spirit if we don't have a healthy relationship? So that's all quote relational and that's all orange again. And orange is right where the sensual and sexual organs are in here. That's the part that really regulates creativity, but also a lot of flow of dopamine and sexual drive and primalness and craving. So we have to be really clear, almost clearing that out or looking out and up to see what's coming in. And that takes time sometimes for people that are like, what the freedom? You know, we're really free and we don't realize it. It's like we want more and more and more stuff in that commodity. And that's where food is and where economy is and government and and medication and medicine. So it's really stuck in that more not really always receiving what we truly need or not knowing to ask for what we want. I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. That we teach a lot about saying, I need, I want to clear out the red and orange. So by the time intuition, you want to ask, like you said, and ask a question, it's I connect and I am clear or I connect clearly. Mm-hmm. So to clear it out is also known as the clairs, you know, clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient. All that psychic ability I have in mediumship is from being clear. That took years of making sure I stayed human, faced my hurts, forgave, also treated others like I wanted and needed to be treated. And not just how I was treated, right? Really how I wanted to be of love and walking love. And then it comes in even more clear. So it's got a self-regulation or its own regulation. People can manifest very instinctively and say that was my intuition, but that was just instinct. That was red, orange, yellow, what we call, when you bring in intuition, the purple, you bring in what's good for all. So intuition might be, no, you're not going to run for president or you're not going to eat five pieces of cake, have one. So you don't get sick tomorrow or whatever, but it's never like, don't have cake because you'll get overweight or fat. That's a judgment and that's low. Does that make sense? It does. It's what I was feeling was what drives fear and insecurity also drives the lack of self-worth, right? (laughs) That, that those things that block abundance and block the energy and the flow and the freedom that you're talking about. And, and yeah, when you say the avoidant attachment styles and the insecure attachment styles, there's very few people that have a secure attachment style. And it's really interesting that it's a real teacher for me as having grown up incredibly insecure and detached and outward facing the whole time. Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? You know, it's like that book, Are You My Mom? (laughs) (laughs) Are you my validation? Am I okay? You know, and to actually get to the point where to just feel okay and to be loved by self is such an incredible freedom. It's that letting go of the external. Do you have the keys? Do you have the keys? Who has the keys? You know, it's, it's kind of that, oh, wait, I have the keys. I just have to clear and and have guides such as yourself that help with that clearing and and the color you keep referencing to is that the chakra it, you know people call it the we call it the energy centers we changed it to energy and energy center yes and i'll say though every religion does it and every stages of growth does it so i would put it in whatever works for you some have heard the story i was a yogi and i'm a yogi since i was 20 as a student and it would show it around and in people at times. I didn't know. So I learned it intuitively 
first with all these facts and then so like that's the chakra system. So I do think it is, but I do think there's more to it that it is. But yes, in this, we would call it, you could call it the energy center chakra system. That said, I want you to know what you keep talking about, especially the relationship with that gut and self-actualization is that orange to yellow that we're talking about. That's where the break is in almost all of humanity kind of moving up into what we call high school or independence and power. And that's where we know we, the keys, I have the keys. And then we need the width to help turn them and, or let's work with love and light to help turn them. So it's not just good for the me, my, or the I, it's the good for the we. Mm-hmm. We've just nailed it in the terms of the colors too, I believe. But yes, we can call them energy centers or, or maturity and moving through and add. I'm going to try to prove that the energy centers connect with each part of the brain like a rainbow because it keeps showing that. So notice if someone's stuck in the red, they'll usually get very angry. They have a love, usually a love hate, but a love with the color red. So their house is red. They wear red, you know, you'll, but they get red because it's very low to the brain and the blood also. There's a lot to it. And then you'll notice people that are very orange are usually imbalanced in that. So it's a funny thing that it is energy centers, but also shows up in such a dense physicality as well. So as uh, one becomes free, what is, the, what is the colors of freedom and connectivity and intuition? And, and I love what you're saying. It's no longer me, me, me. Mm-hmm. It's not even us. It's the bigger we. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, well, you're so sweet. And you can say we can include us and me, but we hope the me, my turns into I, right? And exactly. And then the we and then the all. So I love that you say that. And this is just the way we term it. So you you and all can say it differently. I just want to be in integrity that we include. We hope the me, my comes into the spiritual eye or the I, hopefully by the age six or seven. But if not, sometime in our life because how many adults do we know that are in the me my (laughs) especially tilted gender wise in our culture right so the me my should hopefully be done by the age of three (laughs) when half three but once again attached exactly and with love i've learned to say with love because i've had a tough time seeing how much damage that does right to everyone including i mean all the genders It, it just no one wins but or no one's happy or joyous truly and it's nothing is ever enough in the Mimai, by the way, as we know, because it's an insatiable appetite, usually with a mother wound or a father wound. So it goes way back in the red again. So you don't even get out of the red, but back to this to answer so beautifully. I was hoping we would speak of this and I didn't want to take it there too quickly. The colors of freedom, freedom is blue and free. Freedom to be off the chest, off the shoulders. Even in COVID, we we're feeling it on the heart and on the chest. Now we're free to get out and breathe the energy, to jump in the water again, all of those things. And it is infinite. I often say freedom is right outside and inside because air is everywhere, but we have to look out and up. Many are looking down thinking I'm not free, especially in the most free nation in the world. We are so broken here and we're the most free in a lot of ways. But there's that invisible line we're arguing with of the orange of the balance, right? A masculine feminine and a healthy roof and healthy food and and all the balancing of basic needs so but the colors of freedom are blue very blue and turquoise and moving into purple and then the colors of love we say are all green or bright pink or gold alchemy right here so green eating green seeing green having green in your home oxygen this area all green pink gold and then the alchemy is when you start to let go Alchemy is one of the easiest way I teach intuition of the through line of turning lead into gold, heaviness or denser, red, orange, yellow, 
rise it up through out and up. You got the green and then the blue. And then like we talked about, there's intuition is the purple, which we didn't make up. This is what it's always shown, but connecting those colors through food, drink, elements, and anyone can do it. Even in, I've worked in some of the poorest areas and it's so heart-wrenching to see there's no green and there's no flowers. So we teach them first to look out and up and breathe with oxygen. And then we notice things start to happen because they start to wish and know their worth and ask for more. And all of a sudden someone comes in with funding, right? And someone gets a scholarship to a school. So that's when you're working with that alchemy, like bring it in. And once that happens, I'm big on the tipping point of numbers, meaning when more people know their freedom, we're going to work at balancing the orange and the red. And I teach a lot about when we're lucky or we have a lot of light in our eyes or our body like you and I do. We've been very lucky with our genetics and a lot of things. And we do the work to clear. That's part of it. But we're so lucky and we have a lot of power. And a lot of women and kind people have no idea they have that much power because who's held the mic and who's hoarded this stuff has been in the lower without knowing freedom because freedom is for all. So very similar to what the founding fathers did and the bravery and all of that. But once again, a true table is going to bring in all the genders evenly. And then hopefully at some point, I think gender might happen first, maybe not skin tones, but the all is an evenness of all of humanity and realizing that if we're in some zero, meaning someone has more, someone has less, no one, I mean, everyone suffers. No one's really happy. That is well said. So you talked about taking a moment for yourself to see what comes in, being available, witnessing what comes in. What are other ways that we can clear and get in touch with our intuition? So brilliant. You know, if we want to talk physical, because this helps so much, really opening up shoulders back and down, right? And even just stretching, even if we can't stretch much, just start with the shoulders, start here, right? So this region of the body how we use our hands. Do we grab things? Are we soft touchers? Are we huggers with open hands? It's going to feel vulnerable for some, even own hand on our heart, which a dear friend taught me. And it saved me for that self-compassion, especially if we weren't, didn't have some of the things we needed early for healthy, secure attachment. So that's big. So opening this region and just literally making space to breathe better, huge game changer, gets oxygen up to all those parts and then you'll hear more and more talk about understanding what the vagus nerve does, you know, and get, cuts through and gets us to relax. What's so key to know intuition is that your body sometimes can go into parasympathetic rest and repair. So lying on the couch, knowing you're safe and secure in bed, in the car before an appointment, coming home from work, going to work. Eyes can be open. It's more slowing down breathing, even driving shoulder rolls, all this area. And it does not need to be, I need to go and do three reps of it. You can, you know, weight training is lovely. It's just a different thing. This is about the flow and getting lymphatic movement and slow going to oxygenate and things will start opening up. You and I talked a little bit at the beginning about forgiveness and maybe writing a letter to yourself about how you're loved or someone you've held a grudge toward or go all the way through to the one that's been toughest to forgive and just start writing it and or start thinking it, I love you, I see you, I hear you. I statements are key with a positive word. So I am loving, I am free, I am kind, even when we don't feel it. Because all those patterns were learned. You know, our parents are often in insecure attachment, avoid attachment, because they got a lot of times physically hurt, even by, quote, loving parents, right? Or 
pushed to a creed or a way that they weren't naturally. You know, intuition is so much about how we are innately our true nature, that freedom of our true nature, the green and blue nature. So to get back in it, you're, we're going to shed a lot. So we just start to open up. It will feel so brave, even maybe to change your posture in a business meeting or at a dinner. You know, just to take more space up, especially for the females, right? Or to release so that our nervous system can calm down and we start to flush more, where we get rid of a lot of water weight or emotional energy or for some people, tightness and electricity and brittleness. So let it flow and let your body do its job. Huge. The jaw is so big and the temples and the eyes. So any self-care, pressing you know, relaxing, having a friend do it, a lover or a stranger who you trust, usually with feminine hands. We're out of the aggressive time, like you said so beautifully, a lot more about the gentleness of things so that the body can be safe to release. Safety is key. Safety to tell the truth, knowing I can't tell them the truth or give them this letter, so I'm going to forgive them from afar or I'm going to say how I feel from afar. But really noticing if we're getting aggressive, that adrenal cortisol, that means we're getting our lower parts of our brain. What's under that? Dig through. Because maybe it's when you were young and your brain did the best it could in the first, third grade, junior high, high school. Now you can go back, let your body relax so the memory can release, almost like a splinter. You don't want too much water around it. They'll be, you'll, we'll protect it because we've had it so long that we don't even want it, but we protect it and that adds weight. And adds energy, right? So that release and relax is key, especially through kind of lower ribs up to about, usually shows about nose under the eyes, whatever you can do to open up and relax. Yeah, exactly what you're doing. All that rotation because emotion gets caught. Even I saw it toward the pandemic and certain changes. And I have to keep going back and down, Jill, back and down. And then I get back to yin yoga and flow, even when I don't want to. <laughs> So it's helpful. <laughs> this is not about power unless you're coming out and you finally have more energy. Then a little bit more about power for most of it's, it's going to be relax and release mm -hmm. and then build that space back up with light and air and energy and maybe get back out there and run or jog or get to more yoga or whatnot. That's a little more intensive, but that's the balancing again. Most of us have been trained to go even through gossip or movement where we're witnessing and scrolling. That's also a lot of going energy that if we could put it down for 10 minutes and breathe, watch how much we'll begin to melt and relax. So that helps body scans, gentle supporters, right? Like you and I and teachers and support and guides that have that enough in to hold the space that you can also feel it just being with them in the room or in all over a podcast. Beautiful. I've also heard you say that it's an open heart, like part of the, that calling in that intuition or being available to hear the intuition that is always there is, is an open heart. Yes. Yes. That means a lot. You say that. I believe all the spiritual text is about the open heart because I don't think the upper brain thinks. I think it really, it's more of a lighthouse that works with and connects. I think we're really going to prove that in this lifetime. I think Albert Einstein and some humans did about relativity and light energy, white matter, gray matter, a lot of part of the brain that, you know, we say we don't even know how to use, which we're, if we're only using quote 2% of our brain, the other parts are there for a very evolutionary stunning reason. Yeah. So if we open up, even in the spiritual texts of the Bible, Jesus, Buddha, meaning in the loving heart 
and the inclusivity, because I think a lot of it's been rewritten to really be fear-based and othering. So let's get it back up in the heart and wholeness to and more and that fullness. Then you'll receive so openly and so humbly. So I often say, if you just clear this part or work on this part, you'll see what will flush and move throughout your body. And then we let the blue, purple, white light do gold light, do the rest. So that's what I mean by open art. It does take some bravery and I've had to work on it too. We are human and we are females. Our adrenals are smaller than males' adrenals. Oh. Males have bigger cojones and adrenals. <laughs> so, yeah, they have more muscles up here. So talk about open, relaxed heart. And I'm not quite sure males know how to do their part of protecting and listening and being even. And I hope that changes in our generation or the future generations. They say some do, but it's really what's going on in their unconscious and their red and orange. So being a brave, open heart is not always easy. People think because I'm so psychic, oh, you know it all. Well, by the way, to know a lot in this culture is not fun. Because <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> so if I can be a brave, open heart, I know anyone can. But once again, I know you and I have a lot of light in our eyes so we can be more openly brave heart. Not everyone has to be on a podcast unless they want to. So it's also bravely what works for me. Maybe it's bravely loving my children and my partner and my body. And that's an open heart that will radiate when you go to the grocery store or the neighbors, people will notice. And then you have to be more brave when you get attention because that's hard to regulate attention. I feel truly, you know, some people crave it and want it. But if you even look at celebrity, that's a high, low adrenaline, right? Cortisol thing going to that's a second chakra breaker energy center or around the sensual organs. You know, a lot of attention isn't great for us either. Does the cortisol you're talking about, does it interfere with the reading of intuition or the connecting to intuition? Yes and no. Yes, often in our culture, but sometimes cortisol and adrenaline gives you that clarity, right? So I often, cortisol is very tied to instincts and, and we don't want to ignore instincts. So I often say, you know, when I'm using my intuition, sometimes if I get a bit of cortisol, I'm aware to know I'm in a little bit of a stressful, maybe dangerous situation. You know, I have worked on missing persons cases. I have worked with people that have made some big mistakes. So then there's that balance of how much do I help? How much do I release and hand back over the dance? And so sometimes cortisol is involved. But I will say if I'm relaxed and just let intuition in, no cortisol because I'm doing it quietly and safely. So cortisol is more for me when I'm around other mammals, humans. Yeah, if that makes sense. But it is a protective mechanism to say ding, 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 or to get us going to go help, right? So also sometimes my intuition will say, do pull over and help that person or animal. Sometimes the cortisol is, wait a second, it's, it's a little dangerous to do it. So we're, we are evaluating, we in the fates and saying with love, no, or with love, yes. I think cortisol helps with that clarity. And I do think it's there for that reason. But the adrenaline cortisol that we are so constantly in by all these fears, things going on across the world, especially for the female brain, that is way too much. I often teach when you're using your intuition for something far away or if I, if it comes, it, I'll be honest, it doesn't honestly come in. I mean, it can if I open it up now, but if it's something far away that I can't help with, that's not intuition because what can I do with that? If you are instinctively or intuitively pulling things in, I would say, notice, do I send a prayer or good thought toward them? Do I go help with food or money or time? Do I, but if you have energy coming in, you want to move it, do something with what you see. So cortisol doesn't start to fill up like you get stressed about it. You want to move it through. Where what about anxiety and like 
anxious people. Like I spent the majority of my life anxious. So yes. I don't feel anything but butterflies in my chest. So if yes. the space is all filled with fear and and insecurity, how how do we begin to move? Brilliant. I really want you to remember we talked about earlier. Some scientists will love this and doctors, some will say they might disagree with this exact. So we're going to say a general. If you're in anxiety and whatnot, you're using midbrain down, right? Or you're in your primal part of your brain and you're in your instinctive part, right? So the thing about intuition, it is a very angelic light. There's no stress, but then we have to move it through our body or what do we do? And that can feel a little stressful at times. So that's the middle practice I firmly believe of a lot of presence, water, good food. I'm a meat eater. A lot of people think I'm, I'm very, you know, Italian and what I'm sure we have and, you know, European roots, there's just certain things that in my DNA I love. I did come from farmers, so I do love great vegetables and, of course, olive oil and salt. But my point is, it's not about, again, labels of things like, that's bad, that's good. I have it, but I let it move through. That helps. So then I'm actually fueled a little bit of rest so that when intuitive things come or things are happening, when fear is coming, I can say, what is this fear? Is it because someone's outside or is it made up because I'm stressed? I don't know what to do with what I see or feel. So I would just teach people, and this is what we do the most, how to regulate through this part of the body, your stomach and your heart, this part of the body and or this part of the middle brain, how to flush so you get that muscle of strength and bravery, right? And from there, when you think of any leaders, and you don't have to become a president of something, you know, even a PT president is very brave, I feel. But even a leader of anything, you're going to get that law of people that love you, do not like you. You're going to get a lot of judgment, gossip. That's our, sadly our immature culture. We're not really adulting that much. So strengthening is the green up or the yellow up is going to be important. And then you witness the fear. And that's what I te try to teach everyone the most. You witness, oh my gosh, I'm scared about that. I'm fearing that. Now, that takes, usually you're about eight years old where that starts to happen with abstract reasoning. So I never ask a two-year-old, what are you fearing, you know? But an adult or someone over the age of 17, absolutely. Even the age of 13, 14. How do you feel about that? What do you want to will or act to move it? And most of us don't know what we feel and we don't know how to act or will or move it. So the feel would be second energy center in orange and the act or the will, will power, power is the third. And it gives you a flatter tummy. It does a lot of funny things just naturally because the cortisol and the hormones don't stick on your body. That's so it's a win-win and win across the board. And I don't think motivation should ever be purely physical because then we're getting in our ego a lot. But you can make it physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. And that balance also clears fear. Because then you know I'm fearing because of what I think about it. Not It's not real. Or I'm fearing because physically I'm in danger. So you start to balance. We call the heart and the four, fourth aspect, those four. And I know this is more information. And this is some of this is in the newer writing to make it easier to follow. But I just wanted to say that here so people kind of balance out the aspects. You're not too physical, you're not too mental, or then you're going to go into fear. So when we're feeling fear, anxiety in our chest, it's becoming the observer of it and beginning to kind of tease it out and see where that is coming from so we can clear it. Kind of get yeah. Yeah, moving that energy. And would you would you say beyond inquiry or observation, is there physical movement that one yeah. could do to clear that space? Yes. So I love you say it this way because inquiry or observation is thought. That's intellect. Mm -hmm. See, that's one fourth of it. If that makes sense. So physically moving it. 
dry brush, go to get a massage, stretch, go to yoga, go somewhere out, sit outside in the heat a little bit. Or if that bothers you in the cool and stretch out on a mat or floor, doesn't have to be so formal or get to this certain class or whatnot or do it a certain way. Move it. That is actually emotional as well. Energy in motion. Shake your hands out. Get it moving. All these emotional diseases we have, dis-ease, unease. Clear that. Balance back out is a big part of the four. And then connect. Even when we're in a lower part of our head fearing, that primal part, open back up and say, fates, God, grandma, angels, light. What do we do here? And it's going to feel new at first because even in church, we're taught, you don't do that. You go to the pastor, the priest the middle man, and look what we've noticed, how broken that really can be. And there are some amazing pastor priests, but we teach, let them come in as another, as a brother by the time you're an adult, not the savior. That is also a bit of that hierarchy where we give away our physical and mental power. So just food or thought, I know some people like it because they've been taught since birth that we go to the father. Once again, then we wiped out that whole element of the mother, the feminine, which is energy and motion and true connection. Does that make sense? Where we're even, the with, the with line. And that with is W-I-D-T-H, which I know gets a little heady. The vertical is physical, mental, physical, mental. That's the left brain. And that's more the masculine. And that's more the patriarch, physical, mental, physical, mental. So now we're very overly mental, even in economics and money and tech coming out of our body. You know, AI and all that. So to come back into physicality was more war, blood, sweat, and tears. So the feminine's coming in to even that out. So that through line is flashing and witnessing and maybe writing down, what do the fates say about this? I know what my intellect says. What does the all say? And that'll feel new at first, but it comes in. You might get, it'll be okay. Stay with it. You are loved. Breathe. You'll get the wildest things like you said it through your illness. Exactly. You'll be okay. That space. So we want to let that in, let it have room to come in. And then that will balance out just that logical or thoughtful piece. But to, to get back, just so people feel more somatic, the flushing is key. And it doesn't just need to be a dry brush. It can be in the shower with a warm cloth. It can be a loved one's hand, especially on the back. We need more touch, more togetherness. And our culture has been very scared of intimacy in this real even way. Once again, because the linear it's really hard to trust someone who has more power than you. We need to even that out, even in marriage and partnerships. Mm. It's very real. What we're experiencing is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying, oh, just flush it. That's going to take a minute of clearing some intimacy. That's beautifully said. And that in, in the coming to equality, is it not ourselves recognizing that first in ourselves to show up? I love that. Yes. We honestly teach independence or independent self, quality of self is third energy center or gut. And that's for high school years. Think about it. More than 21. You turn 18 in that time. You turn 21. You go out in the world. You go out in the forest on your own. You drive with your friends. You go on dates. You hopefully have some loving unless it's okay older if you believe in that, whatever we believe. But then you get into interdependence or marriage, the fourth age and you can be married earlier. I'm not saying it has to be exact, but about 21 to 28, we're, we're ready for interdependent, where there's a quality of we. But you can't have an equality of we if you don't have an equality of two selves or two eyes, right? Mm-hmm. So what you were speaking of, that wholeness and equality of self is a third energy center gut self-actualization. I make it to the top of the mountain on my own. And then we know there's 
light and things above the mountain, right? Or we go back down humbly, get back relational with the elements and with the, you know, there doesn't mean you stay that I'm the best. Any healthy high schooler knows how to hand off to younger brother and sister, younger kids, mom and dad, and offer community to a neighbor, pull in maybe some, you know, trash from an elderly or open a door. You know, there's so much when you see a healthy, independent high schooler, you know, they're, oh my gosh, they're loving, they're leaders and they're supporters, right? So that's the whole I, independence. And it's wild that we have a declaration of independence in the U.S. and all these things about independence, but we're still fighting over the me, my often. I just want to add, keep adding that, that let's understand that forgiveness, why we act the way we act, because we're in an environment that really fights this equality of I. But then you get to that and then you really fuel your heart because the heart and the gut need to be dear friends because the gut burns energy off the heart with heat. The heart supports the gut. Like, wait a second, is this a we thing or a you thing? You know, even in marriage and partnership, dear friendship, you know, so that partnership becomes just so the key, that middle space. And then blue and purple or remember purple can do its job and come in and just sprinkle all the good stuff around and over it. I often say intuition's very regulated because someone is not going to be intuitive if they're not kind. Because if they're intuitive and abuse it, it'll go. They'll form neuroses. They get sick. So, you know, it's a much bigger thing than any of us. So I don't, we can instinctively will something, but if it's not right, it'll be taken away. That's not intuition. That's instinct. Mm. Does that make sense? Often basic instincts. Interesting. So, so in this newer connection to myself, where I feel like I'm honoring this authentic self, this intuition, the spirit, this, but there's also instinct. And I keep hearing you say the difference between intuition and instinct. So I have this thing that if I feel anxious about something, I usually stop and and I stop and I ask, where am I out of alignment? Something isn't energetically aligned. And when I roll past it, I usually see my mistake within a few minutes of what I was pushing blindly for. And so for me, it showed it. I don't know if it shows up differently and if that's instinct versus intuition, but this anxiety that I feel. Now I know when I feel this way that something is out of alignment and I stop and I am just like, okay, it's time to like feel, it's time to give this a beat before I answer or say something. I'm just going to sit with this and then wait. I visualize it as a tidal wave kind of crashing. And when the energy dissipates, I look for the truth of what, what I need to see. Is that instinct? What is that? I don't know what it is. (laughs) Out of you. Well, this is the final piece that I was hoping we'd get to today, which of course you led. It's the pause. Mm. Say I stop. And the amygdala, where fear comes and we process in the body, part of where we process it, through the limbic system, our mammal parts, so not just our animalistic primal parts, the next stage of the brain up in evolution is what's called the amygdala. That's spatial. So it regulates our emotions. But it also makes sure we don't fall off a cliff or hit a table. It regulates space, which emotions are big with that too. Do I go toward that person or not? Do I make that choice or not? So the pause slows down the amygdala, which is through both eyes and both ears. That's known as the rat wheel sometimes, the race. that You paused it. You quieted it. You witnessed it. Everything we've been saying. But the pause, the stop is key. It just slows it all down. That's everything we've been getting to of slowing down pause and that you did a visual of water because we often call it the water reel let it flush you flushed you let your aura your energy your thoughts clear even with the visual of water 
And then you let the gold, the alchemy emerge or the truth emerge because you stopped and paused. So you let the brain reassimilate, connect back to your executive thinking, and then also your higher sight because you said it even came in. It is so brilliant that you led that question and understood to take it here for you and all your listeners because that pause, when we hear it, we've spoke about it for decades, if not centuries, and we'll go, oh, whatever. But that is the key to slow down so the brain can assimilate and catch up your gorgeous instrument vehicle that is not broken. It could be overloaded like a computer or life, right? You're just clearing it out. You're letting it drain out. And time, like we talked about earlier, morning and evening moments to stop teaches you to slow down. So then in key moments, you also slow down. It's a muscle or it's a remember it. It's a pattern. It's so many different things that help you regulate. That's all gut and heart, which is very connected to the limbic. So even slowing down and breathing flushes, as you know, belly breathing, listening to yourself, just looking down, watching your belly move or your heart move, bringing your shoulders open down. That opens all that up to slow down. We can't be running fast, you know, while we're opening up. So that pause and that stop, let your body and brain reassimilate to answer for you and with you, if that makes sense, or bring in more information, let you see clearly again. Most people are reacting from their phone. They're hungry. They're mad. They're tired. And so they think they're seeing things clearly and they are nowhere near seeing it clearly. And it's just wild. And we usually get upset with people who are fast or hurting or doing these or aggressive instead of staying with them, forgiving and slowing down. Many say that when we've been teaching the harshest of people, all genders or a leader or even quote someone who's a student, they come and tell the truth. They say it. They bond. They're brave and vulnerable. That's from pausing, creating a healthy space for that truth to come out. So you do that for yourself already. And everyone wants to be seen. We're mammals. We're meant to be seen. We can't live alone. So this is not us being insecure. This is ICU, UCI. So when you also say, wait, let me see the situation. Clearly, I need to pause. You're doing something for you and the situation and environment and society as a whole. So your pause and your stop helps your own brain and physiology and then the rings out of everything around you. So I just commend you that you've asked that and that we understand how important that pause or middle spaces, the with, whatever you want to call it, the breathing and noticing. Yeah, I think you wild recognition. The seen and unseen is one of the things I wrote down that you said. Yeah. It's yeah. Tell me more about the scene. I mean, that you're kind of talking about it now, which is that break, I would imagine, is that space between the seen and the unseen, the unknown. Well, it's well said. And or you can think of it like a, that space between us both. Meaning if we we often teach just and we teach that the seen and unseen would be two things like an infinity sign, seen and unseen. And then we teach how to center it. So you see unseen and seen, but the energy moves and gets back to center. So you see both, if that makes sense. By the time you're 17 and 18, your brain is starting to assimilate in its maturity. But then by the time you're 25, your cortex, your brain is in its full maturity biologically. That means we can do, we can see a couple, many things at once. We might only be able to do one task all at once, but even that task, we're using different sensory and multi-sensory to do it. Does that make sense? So the centering means we're working with seen and unseen. We're not choosing one or the other in binary. We're not mostly working with seen and then this much unseen, you know, like a big old, too big on this side, nor are we working too much unseen. Like you'll see in the spiritual world, 
where it's about the unseen are like, wait, but what about the scene? So it's just centering really what's called binary or low brain. It's centering relational things, which I know for some, that's a big scientific word and all that. But all I mean it here is balancing. So you know, there's seen things and unseen things. Another way to say it that I think will really help is in the energies are in the way we're made. This is dense matter. So this is seen. But to me, I can see stuff that's here and here, right? So it's unseen until you start to train your centering and then it comes forward. It's just lighter matter. It's not as dense and heavy, but it's still matter and energy. It's just degrees of matter. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about ego and healthy ego and form, we're in form. We have a healthy ego and ego till we die. And then wherever we think we go, the light energy goes angelic and you don't have to believe in it. I didn't until I've just seen mediumship so much, right? It does show there is an internal life, but it's not our ego or our dense form that goes back to earth. So earthly can be seen as denser Then when you get in the upper colors or above the mountains, you can think of more light and lighter matter, but it's all matter. It's just how heavy it is. Does that make sense? So it does make sense. It's not so binary. We got taught this is seen and there's nothing else. And that's right. just old control. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little based on a lot of old fear. Or there is angels, but they look like Caucasian cherubs, you know, with blonde hair. And then there's man and there's God. <laughs> you know, it's just it's so funny when you really start to look at it. You're like, there, there has to be more to this or less to this story. Something's off in this tilted, you know, usually in spirituality that all the spiritual figures look like the, the major skin tone of that time. It's really fascinating. It's very egoic and low and very exclusionary. So we help with the balance of inclusionary and in and out. We don't have to look at it where one's better, but just understanding when you include and merge and you understand the and and not the or. And the and is more when you're getting up to the heart and that maturity in the brain. And I do like how you take it out of like visual things like a person or a face or, you know, and more into color, because I think that just shifts everything from judgment, right? What it should look like, what it shouldn't look like. And then it becomes almost this shared commodity of color and connectivity. And often we think of white light and we're very obsessed with white in our culture. It can be coloring, it can be skin tone. Sadly, that's the majority right now and whatnot. But if you just think of white light, if we just want to think of white light, that's the balance of all the colors. So, you know, if you want to have a good life and lightness and have great light relationships and a lot more money and gold and all the things, we need all the colors. So we can't trick that and only be in our red. And and we're in evolution or times now where it's balancing. So women, feminine's coming forward to balance out, not to be better, but all the good nature's coming forward. Nature's going to win this. You know, we're not saving the earth, we're saving ourselves. <laughs> earth will be fine. So if everyone could get along in the and, it's it's just the only, it's the way or a key way. So we need all the colors. And it doesn't mean one's better either. If we're heavily purple and not enough red, which I've been, we have a tougher time, you know, with balance in home and manifesting our needs, which is very big for women too. But I think part of my coping skill young was to hop up and out and disassociate a bit, which really opened my intuition. I used it for safety at times. I know a lot of humans have, but also it's so being in my heredity, I was able to do it by breath in a healthy way and not go too far up because people who are too purple often die early, heavily obese, very pale, as you know, neuroses. So I didn't want that either. So I too really work with the through line of the yellow and the green, very important. They're all even. And so I love how you, how you said that, because I think it'll 
resonate with people to be brave, getting to know more colors for themselves and another. And the and will naturally happen if they're getting in that through line. And grounded. It sounds like for a lot of spiritual people, they do kind of flit out into the ether too far into that. We are here for a physical experience this way. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a body of matter, right? This this dense matter. The way I got back into myself was healing my body to actually feel my body, to feel its suffering that I had inflicted on it unknowingly in my unconscious state. And my way back to myself, well, actually, my body pulled me back in. It was like, hey, I'm dying. So you either come here and work with me or this game is over. You tap out. And to be back in the body is the most spiritual experience for me to actually be in this matter and to to connect with my matter and feel the things and so many things that I don't understand, which today my mind is just being blown in so many different ways. <laughs> I'm like, where is your school and how? Can yeah. I-, <laughs> I appreciate you. It's so funny. Right now we're going for funding for annual love. We merged our two companies just because it's the right time. The science brain and the meditation. It's just an understanding of a long time of this. This is the one little thing I understand, but it, it does help all things and and all people. And I love how you brought in your body told you because when we bypass so much of that and just go spirit, what you'll notice is the person, because we're all people, will then use others to get back in their body. And it can be sexually, it can be with attention, like come follow me and, you know, I'm doing this and that and smoke and mirrors. But it's really interesting how many don't know that they bypassed and went to the ethers only to need physical matter and people more. So they just stretched that infinity sign or stretched that relational like a rubber band. And I don't want that for anyone, especially all your listeners. I want you to be able to enjoy every day, enjoy your meals, enjoy the bounty or wish and create the bounty. And and it's just so everyone's birthright. And that will feel very strange and brave to a lot of people. And that's an unconscious thought of non-worth or who does she think she is or who do I think I am? And, you know, to quote a friend, you know, Marianne, who are you not? If the kind ones aren't asking for the bounty and spreading it, you know, then it just doesn't help anyone. What is the difference between intuition and being a medium? The way that I've understood it, and we hopefully we can get more people adding in, although this is such a lost art and creed, I think we've got it pretty not, I think, understood, but there's more to add for certain. But just doing it so long, what I've noticed is that, you know how people say we're clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairaudient. I've always seen just means clear. So clear thinking, I should say clear seeing, clear hearing, clear eyed in his hearing, clear seeing, clear thinking is called clear, clear cognizant, clear smelling, clairvoyance, I think technically is seeing as well or whatnot. But all the clairs sh- that you be clear so you do see all of it. I think the mediumship is an aspect of that, of any of them meaning you see them, hear them, feel them, smell them. That happens a lot, sense them, meaning them, those who've passed away. The first meet when some might know the story, I think it's in the writing later. We worked, we tried to put in how Michael Jackson was the second one who came in in mediumship that I think it was going to be too. And it just would have been a little controversial at the time. But the first person that came in was my very best friend's dad. And I was about to go see her. And she was an expat coming to the States. And I was doing a reading for she and some of her amazing friends. And that, and I was literally going to get some things to go in my carry-on bags. It was post 9-11. And, and he came in as I was going over a speed bump in Manhattan Beach, California, Southern California. We grew up eight hours, seven, eight hours away in Northern California. 
but he had played on the land where the speed bump was as a child. But I knew him in eight hours, seven hours. Wait, so it was uncanny. And he came in on this side of the car. Some people know, I guess, well, I don't know which way it will show, but over my left shoulder driving in the U.S. And I was just like, what, who's talking to me? Like he was sitting next to me. So that's known as mediumship. What was that? I could see him, hear him, feel him. I didn't smell him. Smell comes in some other times. And then a couple of days later, Michael Jackson came in actually right before he passed away on the TV and then came in for weeks before the funeral saying all what would happen. I wrote it down, showed friends, showed family, my husband. So they come in, we, is, is it we're cleared so we can hear them because they're in the ether, angelic energy or whatever pe- what people want to label it. It's just words, honestly, to me, because it's what it, the energy is. And I hope we can get behind the words and start to connect more wholly about what each culture calls it. The point is, I think mediumship is just hearing those who've passed away that are here in some form, not as dense matter. And they do not come in angry or any energy. They've lost their ego. So the mediumship, similar to the information, is whole and loving and direct and saying we're here and we're here to help. It really is having your ancestry support. Even if they did some really yucky things in the waking life, that's some reason the first couple of years of doing readings, I didn't mention, maybe the first year, year and a half, I didn't mention when the medium, when they would come in unless the person said, I now want a mediumship reading or is my mother or grandmother here or my first love. But I learned the hard way that they came in with the most important information. So every time I didn't let the person know, that was really important information for them. Other things came in the reading that were great. It was never a lack. It was just, that was a bunch of gold as well. And so I think the mediumship is a part of that or in the grouping of it. But once again, I'll say this, when Michael Jackson came in, I was breastfeeding our Second child, I believe it might have been our first. And in the middle of the night, I'd be like, I don't want to see faces. That was always my thing. Talk to me, but I don't want to know who's here right now. So anyone could take this or not believe it. I completely understand, but it was fascinating. So he would talk my ear off and it would all be true. I'd write some of it down. I believe it. I really do. I really do. I saw, I, I grew up in Big Sur and... And and part of leaving home for me was really leaving all of that, you know, behind. I was like, I'm leaving all of this behind. And when I healed, I left my job, my career, and I had taken three months off. And a friend of mine at the time had a clairvoyant in her teepee in Malibu and said, Unique, you're not, I know you're not doing anything. You're taking time off. Come and sit in the teepee. And I was like, no, I don't know if I really, I don't really know if I believe in all that. And She's like, it doesn't matter. Just come. And if he has a moment, because people were just coming in and out of this teepee, just, and I was just like, okay, I'm really curious. So he had an opening and I sat down and I, and it felt like five minutes I was in there. I don't know how long I was in there, but he said, a man with a long beard and long hair is sitting on your right shoulder and he's trying to get your attention. And I was like, oh my God, that's my dad. My dad had passed away when I was in my 20s. And he wants you to know that you lost the thread of your life and you need to go back and find it. And when I was like, I remember leaving there and really knowing exactly what he was talking about. Like I'd gotten so far away from myself in search of things outside of me and to come back home to myself. And that was the moment where I'm like, okay, stop running away from where you come from. You came from there for a reason, like get back and connect. Yeah. That's, a wonderful story. That's so like a father speaks in the readings and dads are amazing that way. Their wisdom, even if they couldn't say it in the waking life sometimes, but sometimes they talk that way here too, but that's who they are. That's so beautiful. And I'm grateful to he, because he brought you back home, like you said, into yourself and that 
balancing that outside back into inside is brilliant. And I love you took that opportunity to go do it. It's really key. The first time I had gone to a medium or probably the only time, to be honest, we'd have met a couple along the way now, but he had us all lay down and sit back up and say who our, our guardian angel was. It was a friend's studio. I was a yogi at the time, but did not do any of this. I did did this work for friends and family, but I don't think I'd come out publicly. It was around 2002, 2003, I want to say. Everyone came and they, he said, this is what your guardian angel looks like to each person. There are at least 25 people in the room. And then we each had something in our hand from the med- the gentleman's meditation. The gentleman who led it, the medium, had, was working on the Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson case. I don't know if you remember that. And she was pregnant, passed away. And I knew what he was going to say before he said it and saw the whole, I just saw next to him it all play out like I was watching a movie. And even I was like, what was that? Jill, you know, just wow. I, I was probably 26 or 27 at the time. Anyway, and so my brain was in that full capacity, but I still was like, what was that even for myself being doing so much psychic stuff? Maybe I didn't realize that's what it was at the time. And I think of it, here's the point. He said there was a tool in my hand. He get, told us each and it was spot on and it predicted the now. And many years, it's funny, there was a key and you started this podcast saying about the key. So you were so intuitive too, using an icon because we didn't talk about that. But I was like, he's like, you'll help millions of people. And I was like, no, I won't. I was shy. I was intuitive, but quiet. I'm very introverted. And my dear friend next to me was like an older mentor to me. He's like, yes, she will. And I'm like, I'm working in publishing. I knew I was going to be a stay-at-home mother. So I'm glad we're talking about this because the mediumship inspires and reminds us to get back in there and do it, even for you and I. And I'll never forget that. He passed away. He became very obese and pale and started painting his windows black. And he did live by the ocean. But that was also a reminder of let's be in our physicality let's move energy for anyone who's listening who is so psychic and intuitive or wants to do this or dabble in it let's make sure we're doing the through line that we are human we're not invincible and we need to stay pretty balanced because it can come at a cost and i've met more like him sadly so part of my passion and teaching and this is that we do it in a very balanced way and that's why i wrote the book the next book is a much quicker easier read in ways because it's about the nervous system but also more about a few personal stories so I hope the new one resonates a lot. Intuitive Being is a great book. It just can be long. So I, I end up teaching it more and, you know, we'll probably go back to university and teach it just so it take your time with the book, as you know. So I thank you for reading it and recommending it because it is an important one. It's just not quick. <laughs> no, I, I think for those really interested, it, but it's not quick, but I, I feel it's important. And do you have a name for the next book? Yes, it's called The Well. Isn't that great? Because it's exactly what you and I were talking about, about our container coming back in. It for all humans, for men, boys, all genders, really, and how we work with environment. And that's the nervous system. And most people wall and shut down, or they create a lot of barriers, even weight. And they don't want to, but they need the protection or want the protection, feel they need the protection. I can often tell where people are abused because the the body will literally put physical weight around it. It breaks my heart until we clear that abuse. And so I can tell if someone hasn't gotten through the abuse, which I'm not saying is easy. I've not had so many of the abuses that another has had, but the body shows it. And so part of what we I tried to write in the well is how to re- regulate the nervous system. So a lot of that can fall away. We can flesh even out water. You coming from Big Sur and me loving and needing water and ocean we need water and look what's happening on our planet with water. So how do we contain and hold enough and how do we share? 
and how do we exchange, right, is really why I wrote The Well. A bunch about mental and emotional illness, because I knew when I finished Intuitive Being where everyone was going to get stuck and it's where almost more many put it down. I knew the page numbers. So you start talking about the emotional body or the emotional aspect. Everyone goes, nope, down it goes too hard. I don't like it. Go back to my fiction summer read. Give me, you know, brain candy instead of facing the emotion, our cultures. The four aspects of being, the physical being, the emotional being, the intellectual being, and the spiritual being. And that's, remember, we talk about the four aspects of the heart or the pie. <laughs> we're so overly intellectual now and we're throwing it on our kids and we only reward high intellect. And I work with a lot of people, tech, and their bodies are a wreck and their hearts are wreck and they're not happy. They don't know how to bond. Most of them are stuck under age 10 maturity wise. So I'll say I that. Believe that. I believe that the Peter Pan. Oh, so well said. I was talking about that the other day. I'm like, what is that? Kept coming in. Look at you. The Peter Pan. Man, something you wrote in your book, that if you over-identify too closely with your physical, you become material. Yes. And then that is another way to lose connection. with. (sighs) Yeah. Yep. So remember we talked about finite or denser material. Mm-hmm. I meant we don't talk that this is material, right? We think yeah. that it's so free. Talk about, it's funny talking about tech and things that are moving energetically and even all the, what it takes to do a, a car or plastics or phones or computers, all the resources it takes. It takes away so much water and fresh air and a lot of things. But here I'll say when we're in materialism, we're in dense matter. So we think the body, I need someone's body to make me feel so good, or I need a thing, or I need more of a thing. I need more money. I need more space. I need more rooms. I need more carpets. I need more cars. Yeah. When you get through that into independence and interdependence, you let go. You get through the hoarding. And so a lot of people say, my child needs these shoes. And they're 12 or 13. Well, of course they do. They're 12 or 13. They're in that bond of hormones. So we want them to fit in. It's not that you throw them 10 but save up and buy one and then share or something. So the point I mentioned here is it's where most Peter Pan stuck. Mm. When you get out of age 14, your maturity, you go, wait, I have three pairs of shoes. I can keep one. I can give two away or can give two and give one away. Mm. And that's where most humans have not flipped and less is more. People think I have this huge closet. I have the tiniest closet. I wear this stuff all over. Not a big spender. You know, it's fascinating what begins to happen and so much more peaceful, right? And can move the world and can give more. And need less. But that's also my, this is the point, my basic needs are set. We're saying this for privilege of a house, a roof, fresh air, water. So if we could start spreading it out, everyone will win. Especially the children of these, of this next generation too. Oh, yeah. I think, well, another beautiful and something that really stayed with me from your book as well was that when kids are not given what they need and then they're told to share there's a sense of lack. And so you pull closer to yeah. you and you don't want to share. And then, but you're being told to share because it's the polite thing to do. But because you're missing these essential things in your soul, you got what you wanted, but not what you needed. So you end up wanting more, right? Yeah. Of the thing that or you Or got neither what you wanted or needed, right? Yeah. Yes. Or your yeah. about needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Want and need is the same thing at the beginning. So yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you're told to share. Yeah, but you don't have capacity to share, right? You're missing that capacity, and so if you get stuck there, and then you get money, then you're just you're just pulling everything to you to fill exactly. the disconnect. Yeah, and it never fills. And do you know what you just described from earlier in our podcast? What? Attachment. Mm-hmm. 
You never learned that I have this. This is mine. So I can give it away. And you know what else that is? Is our bodies. We were never ours. You know, even for some boys, it was about what their mom or dad wanted. So let's go be mad at them or make them proud or whatever it is. But for women, especially our bodies. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't learn a healthy attachment. So then we attach to this meaning when we're young. This is really supposed to, not supposed to, it's healthily or but me biologically about nine months, two and a half, three years old. Wait, this is mine. So for your example, we would say to the children, when you're done, will you give this to him? Or there's either two shovels, one for each of you, or when you're done, we've a 99.5% of the time they finished, they're done because it was their choice. They didn't give away before it was whole and they understood, wait, I brought this to the park. This is my one special thing. Why would I give it away? And girls especially learn early, give away, be polite, give them a hug or a kiss. I haven't thought about that in a long time, but that's all attachment. Really something I had to work, probably why it stuck out to me, because that was something I really had to work through in my life was that sense of lack and and, and healing that kind of energetic in my life so that I don't walk around feeling like I need all the time. In fact, I feel like I have capacity to give. I have capacity to share, which I didn't have before. And it's pretty wonderful. So it, it is that distribution of energy, of light, of resources, because there's no longer that sense of like, oh, I'm just going to hold all of this, you know, and keep it. So well said and full circle the beginning, distribution of light would be called the discernment or the gut. Now you have it, you can give it and you have enough. So you know your bounty and what you need. Otherwise, it's going to rot or get held. And that's not flow of energy. So well said. You learn unattachment truly in high school and college. You learn you just need a backpack. You just need money for certain things. So you, you have enough food and bread. You can give some. There's not the hoard and the hold. It's unattachment. That creates interdependence. You also unattach if someone really hurts you. You hope they apologize or you make an exchange like that hurt me. Apologize and then walk the walk. We're not doing that again. This is what we teach a lot with our children too. And I do it. Even it's like, oh gosh, I made a mistake. But then we give freely and we move through an interdependence. We're not attached to the outcome, attached to being right, but there is a through line. And I, I love you brought up that example because a lot of people are taught to give when they don't have or to hoard and not give because someone's the enemy. And that's the sum zero again. That's the competitive taught and that's the way right now our economy is. And I hope it shifts because we're better together and no one is happy with that hoarding. And I've just seen it so many times. If someone's happy, I'd actually be like, well, at least they're happy. But yeah, I've loved this discussion today and feel, I hope a lot listen. And you know, it was long, but it was. And I will, I will clip it together. And thank you for your time and your energy. And you are a gem. And I am glad you are brave to take up space and be who you are in this world because we need more of that beautiful light and energy. And thank you. Thank you, sister. Same. Thank you so much for joining me today in my conversation with Jill Willard. I hope you got some goodies here today, things that you can practice in your own life and cultivating your intuition. I know that in my life, despite not cultivating intuition that it has come in in the most auspicious times to help guide me in the direction that I needed to go. And I am incredibly thankful each time that I listened to that call voice within that said this way, do this. It takes a lot of faith to listen to that voice within the truth. And I just love that. 
So I am indeed going to be taking a pause at least twice a day, maybe after my meditations, and see what I can bring in just as a way to cultivate intuition. If you are seeking additional support along your healing journey, I offer health consultations, coaching calls, and coaching packages. You can find all of that at yourgrade.com. And I will list where you can find Jill Willard as well if you are interested in learning more about her and the work that she does. Thanks again for joining. Have a wonderful day, night, or morning, wherever you are in this beautiful world.